hello listeners this is fix your eyes on jesus and my name is annie i'm your host and today we are privileged to have a special guest with us in the studio uh, his name is cory rosenke cory is from california the united states of america and cory is an author a pastor a communicator and a tenacious pursuer of the truth. Hello, Corey. How are you? I am great, Annie. Thank you so much for having me on today. You're welcome. And uh, we are privileged to have you here today to take us through uh, this session and a few other topics that we are going to look at. But just before we continue, I will start with a prayer and then we take on the next step. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thanksgiving, Lord, we come before you. We welcome your presence in our hearts. We welcome your servant here with us, Corey Rosenke. Lord, we pray that you may use him to speak to us and all our listeners, and that every word that you're gonna speak through him is going to transform lives and to help us to fix our eyes on you and to have our hearts transformed to be just like you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. So, Corey, I'm going to welcome you to give a little bit of introduction to our listeners, please. Absolutely, yeah. So, I, I'm originally from Canada, born and raised um, in the uh, western part of Canada, the provinces of both Alberta and British Columbia. And then almost eight years ago, I moved um, to California, just outside of San Francisco, in a city called Mountain View, um, where I'm currently um, pastoring at a church, as well as, um, as you mentioned, writing and traveling and speaking at different um, locations. And I just have a real passion to, to remind people uh, about something that we all know, but so easy for us to forget. And that is that um, more than a brain or a body, we're souls created in the image of God. Yeah. And and as you mentioned when you were reading my bio there, mm-hmm. what does that mean? You know, it's, we, word, we use words like that in the church all the time, like soul, right? Mm-hmm. So on Sunday, we sing about the soul. <laughs> you know, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We got, we got all these songs where we're talking about the soul. Mm-hmm. And yet I think very few of us, even in the church, mm-hmm. understand what that actually means. And um, we live our lives as if we are just brains and bodies. And um, to be honest, I believe when we look at the world today, when we see the chaos, the confusion, the depression, the bitterness, the hatred, I believe that is a direct result um, to a large degree of us forgetting what it means to be human and living like something other. We, we live today as if we are brains and bodies. Mm-hmm. It's what every government promise. Every government promise is based on our brain and our body. Um, school, academia in general, is constantly promoting our brain and our body. If we turn on the the television and watch TV commercials, they're all catering to try to satisfy the cravings of the brain and the body. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we forget that at the core of who we are, we're souls. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And so that has been my passion. Has really been to speak to people and. And bring clarity to this issue. And I, I have to tell you, Annie, that I've been doing um, 
I've been doing podcasts and radio interviews and television interviews for quite a while, and I would say 70% of the people who invite me on as a guest are not not Christians. I'm not. I'm speaking to primarily non-Christian audiences, and that has been a major blessing. It's something I did not expect. Mm -hmm. um, but even there's this curiosity in the world today, a hunger to understand what it means to be human. Yeah. And so the Lord has opened doors to give me a platform to speak to people who generally wouldn't be willing to hear about Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, if you just come at them from an Easter morning perspective, you know, Jesus, you're, you're a sinner, Jesus died for your sins and he rose again. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are, uh, even though that is the, the central theme of the gospel mm -hmm. and the method by which we are, we are brought into right relationship with God, yeah. people, a lot of people have their ears closed to that. But what I've been doing is presenting the gospel from a Genesis chapter two and chapter three perspective, saying, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? And I've been amazed at the people who have been willing to hear about Jesus when I bring it from that perspective. I speak to psychologists, to people of all different faith backgrounds, to metaphysicists, um, to atheists. Um, I've even spoken to people who call themselves witches or mediums or people who generally would not be open to hear about Jesus in any other, you know, um, package, but they're willing to listen. And I've just been blessed and blown away at what God has done. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is awesome. Because you see, um, when we come to Jesus and we know that the Bible is just about Jesus, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a blessing because the minute somebody opens to just hearing one chapter of the Bible, that means they're already opening their hearts to Jesus, <laughs> even without knowing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so this topic is very dear to my heart as well. And uh, I think it would be uh, a blessing to hear you take us down on this path because um, we know that you wrote a book called The Magnetic Heart of God. And when I look at the concept about this, this book, about the title of this book, already uh, it sparks... Um, something in my heart and i see the heart of god and then the magnetic heart of god probably because you just came on now mm -hmm. <laughs> i think i just jumped to the soul so fast i'd like you to talk to our listeners and let us know what it when you encountered jesus where your journey began sure. where your walk began you know and then yeah. now before we get to this other level of the soul Absol absolutely so i grew up in a I would say a dysfunctional Christian home. So I, I never, I never didn't believe in Jesus in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. I, it, it was a dysfunctional home in that I had parents who had gone through a lot of heartache and hurt, tragedy um, in their own childhoods that they never got help with. Yeah. And so these wounded people got married and had kids. And um, so our life was a bit different than most people's. We were homeless for a while as a family, living. Um, uh, by a lake in British Columbia, by a number of lakes. Um, mm. We, uh, there was a while where we had lived way up on a mountainside with no electricity, no running water. Um, I lived very much as if it was the 1800s to a certain degree at different stages in my life. Mm -hmm. My parents loved me, um, never doubted their love for me, um, but it was definitely different from most, most um, people. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in that Christian home um, you know, gave my life to Jesus every summer at Bible camp. You know, a lot of a lot of people have a similar story. But mm -hmm. but when I, I left home when I was 14, mm -hmm. and um, right away when I started working, I was a, I was a logger for a while or a lumberjack. Um, then I was a horse trainer and a carpenter. 
um, I kind of left home with a bit of a chip on my shoulder, you know, mm-hmm. kind of feeling like I had something to prove to the world. Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately, when I say, for me, when I look at the time and I believe I really came to Jesus, mm-hmm. I was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, ever since I was little, I was a reader and I loved reading. Mm-hmm. And I loved reading the ancient history books. So I was all in the philosophy books. So I was always reading Aristotle and Plato and Marcus Aurelius and Confucius. And even as a young, as a very young boy. Um, and but it, when I was 20, I was once again reading the Iliad by Homer. And of course, mm-hmm. that is the whole story about the Trojan War and Hector and Achilles and all the, the mythical Greek gods. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was reading it for probably like the third or fourth time. Mm-hmm. And this particular time um, I was reading and in the book, it really talks about how half the Greek gods were on the sides of the Trojans. And there was all these other Greek gods on the side of the Greeks and um, and how they're in heaven, their heaven, there was just chaos <laughs> of backstabbing and adultery and hatred. And I remember literally having a moment where I just sat up because I was you know, laying on the couch reading and just said to myself, God isn't like this. Mm-hmm. Then who is he? You know, and I had all the answers from my childhood growing up in a Christian home, but now I was had been on my own for, you know, six or seven years and was not in any way following God. But I had that moment where I just sat up reading the Iliad. God mm-hmm. isn't like this. Then who is he? Mm-hmm. And just pressing in at that point. And I remember I going to a church that just loved on me and um, breathed life into me. And that's when I got excited about Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's when I realized that he was the way, the truth, and the life, um, and the true author of my life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting beginning there. Okay, so then now you became a pastor, and then now you wrote this book. So just talk to us now how your life has been to a point where you became so passionate about talking to people about their soul. Yeah. Well, ultimately, I wasn't looking to talk about the soul. Mm. Ever since I was that little boy, to be honest, wandering the forest. That was my childhood, oftentimes solo, wandering the forest with my dog and my books. I've always been asking the question of why. Why is my family this way? Why is the world the way it is? I remember sitting with my father during the um, first Iraq war and uh, we would sit around the radio and just listen to what was happening. And mm-hmm. and, um, and I remember asking why. And I've always been that person who just, I want to know why. why. Why people behave the way they behave. Why we do the things that we do. Mm-hmm. And um, my journey from that youth up into my time of faith led me through, as I mentioned, the philosophers. I was really into philosophy, but you don't find the answer to the question of why in philosophy. Mm-hmm. That moved me to psychology. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember for a while I was really into Sigmund Freud and his whole idea of the concept of personality and and the id and the ego and the superego and all these things, Freud. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I discovered the answer to why isn't in, isn't in psychology. That moved me to neuroscience, another a fascinating study, right? When we think of the neuroplasticity of the brain and the brain's ability to, to literally change shape due to trauma or to self-control even, right? Our, our, the way our brain can actually change and we can actually change. It's amazing stuff. But at the end of the day, I realized that 
the question of why isn't found in philosophy or psychology or neuroscience. In fact, those things are just the study of mechanism. If we want to know why, we have to go deeper. And that's where C.S. Lewis really transformed my life and A.W. Tozer and authors like that, that really I felt melded philosophy, psychology, and theology together so we get a holistic view of ourselves. And so ultimately, I, I'm giving you the long version of a short story. Uh, back in 2018, I was preaching an Easter series. I was doing a five-week Easter series starting on Easter Sunday. Yeah. And I was praying, building up to this, Lord, what do you want me to share on Easter Sunday? Um, because on Easter Sunday, everybody's there. Yeah. Right? All the faithful church attenders are there. Mm -hmm. And then there's a bunch of people who only come on Christmas and Easter. And mm -hmm. they're not there any other time. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a whole group of people who don't want to be there. But they're visiting family and so they get hauled to church you know on easter morning <laughs> yeah. and i thought how can i make the gospel relevant to all of them mm. and that really is where all my years of study kind of came together mm. and i presented a message where i first introduced the five cravings of the soul because i wanted to realize i wanted to help people realize the depth of our need for christ wherever you are in your journey mm. whether you are fully a believer at this particular moment or whether you're a person who like kind of believes or whether you don't at all. I wanted them to understand that Jesus was relevant to them. Yes. So I approached this Easter uh, message and the response from it was so unexpected and so big mm -hmm. that that really kind of launched me into four years of further study and the writing of this book. And wow. so as you already mentioned, the book is called The Magnetic Heart of God, Understanding mm -hmm. the Five Cravings of Your Soul. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I believe that all human um, ambition, all human desire, all human movement throughout history can mm -hmm. be understood by exploring five core cravings that God placed inside of us for a very specific person, purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe when people read the book, it's one of those things where once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's all over the scripture. I'm not introducing... <laughs> I'm not introducing a new concept. I'm introducing a, a new idea, I should say, that, that people haven't thought of to this point. But once you hear it, you're like, I see it everywhere in the scriptures now. Yeah. And that is, I believe God placed these cravings inside of us. And I'll just go through them quickly. Security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. And these five cravings are at the core of all human ambition. And God placed them in us on purpose. Yes so that they might draw us back to himself. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, the only place that these cravings can be satisfied is in connection with our maker. Mm -hmm. And the problem we see in the world today is we see a world, in some cases, literally hell-bent <laughs> in the pursuit of these five cravings. The whole world is looking for security, yeah. both physical security and relational security. Mm -hmm. The whole world is looking for identity. You know, I often say identity asks four symbiotic questions. Who am I? Why am I? Do I have value? Do I have purpose? The whole world, we have to have an answer to this question or we do not have peace. Yeah. The whole world is in pursuit of, of independence. Yeah. But it's not, independence isn't just, um, I, I break it down into two parts again. One part of it is freedom. That is, mm -hmm. we need to believe we are, have some sort of autonomy. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also the individual part of it. That is, we each need to know that we are distinct. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, that we are necessary. Even those, th think of this, even those identical twins who for a while seem to love having the same haircuts and wearing the same clothes and confusing everybody because no one knows who's who. Mm -hmm. at, at some point, 
they will desire some sense of distinction. Maybe they'll say, I'm the academic twin, right? Or I'm the twin who loves Star Trek or whatever it is. We all have to know that we are distinct in some way. And then there's significance. We all need to know we're special in some way. We have to have it or we can't have peace. And then fifthly, innocence. And innocence sends stands second to none. I often will remind people of this. Think of it. Basically, every argument you've ever had or any offense you've ever taken yeah. happened because you perceived that somebody was accusing you of wrongdoing or wrong thinking. Right? And so our response to that <clears throat> is either to run away yeah. Right? Because we can't be around someone who's always making us feel guilty yeah. or to turn and fight. Right. Mm -hmm. And you may say to me, Annie, Corey, you left your socks on the floor again. And what I should do is say, you're right, Annie, I shouldn't have left my socks on the floor again. But instead I say, oh, yeah, well, you left the kitchen a mess. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And we get into this righteousness war, as I call it, where we're each trying to prove ourselves to be the most innocent. Yeah. Um, but the whole world is in pursuit of these these cravings in all the wrong places. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we try to satisfy them in all. I call them the usual suspects. Mm -hmm. um, wealth. If I just get enough money, mm -hmm. I'll finally be at peace. Yeah. And history has proven that that is not the case. If I just get work. enough power and control. Yeah. I'll finally be happy. Yeah. It's never enough. Right. If I can just have enough, if I can just have enough respect right, or enough sex or enough, whatever the world is pursuing, mm -hmm. enough education, whatever mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. I will have peace. And none of it's true. None of it works out. None of it is enough. There's only one place where these cravings can be fully satisfied, and that is with a connection with our maker. And that is why God placed them inside of us. No matter how far we wander, we all have inside of us this homing beacon, right? Or this magnet, as I call it, drawing us back to God. And so when we understand each other in this way, that any more than just a brain and a body, you are a soul. And and you and I are both souls in pursuit of the same thing. Mm. And through our different, you know, where we were born, the example set for us, we've we've pursued these cravings in different directions. Yeah. But it's the same cravings that we're pursuing. Mm. And when we understand each other in this way, um, when we are, understand our fellow citizens in this way, when we understand our spouse in this way, or even our kids in this way. Yeah. It allows us to love them and have compassion on them and truly be a help to them in a way that we wouldn't be otherwise. It's very interesting, you know, how you <laughs> you bring on this insight because um, I was trying to read your book and I think I noted the five <laughs> core cravings. But even though I read it several times, I kept forgetting. But when you're talking about it now, it's... I think I can remember the basics and I like when you talk about the, how we try to prove innocence, especially with the married couples, <laughs> it's yeah. a reality, but you don't realize what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's relevant to every aspect of our lives. Um, when we wonder, um, have you noticed that television commercials nowadays, they're not trying to sell you a product, you know, they're, they're trying to cater to one of these cravings. Right? They're, they're trying to make say, you know what, buy my product and you will finally feel significant. Buy my product and you'll be secure, right? Every so all the social groups out there now saying, join us because mm -hmm. we are the righteous ones. We are mm -hmm. the good ones. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you vote for those people, mm -hmm. um, 
you're bad, right? Right. The whole righteousness and unrighteousness significance. And when we wonder like, why the kids join gangs, why do they get caught up with people that they don't know? Well, they're looking for an identity. Yeah, that's true. Right? Mm-hmm. And so people who, I mean, I often will just narrow down. You mentioned husbands and wives. Like, mm-hmm. Why do people, why do people want to get married to start with? But they're looking for security. Yeah. They're looking for identity. Mm-hmm. Looking for them in a place that doesn't infringe too much on their independence. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a place they feel significant mm-hmm. and a place that makes them feel innocent and righteous. Exactly. Why do they get divorced? The same. Well, I mean, exactly. <laughs> they didn't find what they thought they were looking for. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I ultimately I believe. Uh, well, I'll just stick on the on the topic of husbands and wives. Mm. If you want your wife to know you love her or your husband to know you love him, you are called, you need to reflect security to him, mm-hmm. right? Identity, independence, significance, innocence. But you cannot be the source of it. That's and I true. think one, one of the biggest problems is that we look to our significant other to be the source of our soul cravings. Mm-hmm. There's only one source that's capable, and that's yeah. God. Yeah. And so when you place the, that burden on your spouse saying you are responsible for making me feel, secu- you know, giving me security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence, you, you place on them a burden they cannot possibly bear. Mm-hmm. You make it so that they, they are guaranteed to let you down yeah. because they can't carry that weight. And so um, when I talk to couples about this or when it, and about marriages or even in counseling about it, I will mm-hmm. often mention you mm-hmm. have to reflect this to each other. Yeah. But you cannot view yourself as the source or view mm-hmm. them as the source. Yeah. Jesus has to be the source of this or ultimately you will constantly let each other down. Yeah. No, that is very true because as you're talking about all this now I can see it's like a, a cycle. Mm-hmm. That a cycle that we all get into without really knowing what is happening. Yeah. But I believe now the bottom line because if God is the source so the bottom line of being out of this cycle that seems to revolve around all the issues that you know you try to place on someone else or expect someone else to be the one to give us if we have a relationship with god we work on that relationship every day we become conscious of it and we put our work into it and we get dedicated to do it then definitely we'll come out of this cycle and we start building on this relationship so true and i i really believe that it's so important that we give name Mm -hmm. to our craving because right now we live in a world where we're all looking for something Mm -hmm. but for the most part it's it's ambiguous we don't really know what it is like we like i say we will use words like happiness we all want to be happy Mm -hmm. or or what i call the mega goal of humanity and that's peace Mm -hmm. everyone is looking for peace Mm -hmm. and we seem to have this idea that we are the author of peace and that is to say that we will decide how what peace looks like to us right um i would say this that's completely false peace has five prerequisites mm-hmm. security identity mm-hmm. independence significance innocence and that is the reason why our moments of peace are so fleeting because there's nothing on earth that can satisfy the cravings of our soul simultaneously for any length of time. And by the way, in order for us to experience peace, all the five cravings have to be satisfied simultaneously. We can't just have three out of five. I can be, for example, I can feel secure. 
yeah. believe I have a strong home, a great alarm system. I can feel like my spouse loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, I can know who I am and feel like I understand who I am. Mm-hmm. But if someone is making me feel guilty, mm-hmm. I don't have peace. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Or I can feel righteous. I can feel like I am righteous and good. I can feel special and significant. But if you lock me in prison and take away my independence, I don't have peace. That's true. All five have to be satisfied simultaneously. And there's nothing on earth that can do that for any length of time. Mm-hmm. Only in our maker can we truly find satisfaction for our souls. Only in our maker can we truly find that peace that we are ultimately looking for. Mm-hmm. It's a burden that that we cannot place upon each other. It's mm-hmm. a burden that we cannot place upon government. And it's important that we name it. So that we now that we know what we're looking for, I often say, like I said, the whole world is searching for something, but they don't know what it is, so they can never find it. Mm-hmm. And so what what I've really wanted to do is try to help people identify it. Now you know what you're looking for. Security, mm-hmm. identity, independence, significance, and innocence. And if you're wondering why why does my sister why why won't she talk to me? right? Why did my neighbor's spouse leave them? You know, there's all sorts of like, if you talk to them, they'll give you all these kind of you know, all sorts of reasons. But at the end of the day, it comes down to five cravings. You can pinpoint it. It has something to do with these five cravings. Yeah. And when it just it makes the complex. I don't want to call it simple, mm-hmm. but suddenly it makes it makes our feelings and our actions easier to navigate because we can name what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. We can say, you know what? I feel really secure right now, mm-hmm. but I'm struggling with my identity. Mm-hmm. I, I, and now that I can name it. I can actually do something about it. Yeah. But as long as I can't name it, as long as it's just just something ambiguous, yeah. I can never really find the healing that I'm looking for. But do you find it um it is true that sometimes we might not navigate to where we want to name the thing, you know, probably because of some fears mm-hmm. that could be connected to maybe sometimes uh maybe life experiences. Yeah. I, I think so. I think that there is definitely, well, and I would say that it comes back to the innocence craving. That's why it's so hard to admit when you're wrong for yeah. all of us, right? <laughs> because to admit that I'm wrong is either a gut punch to my craving for significance or innocence, yeah. one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. And so it takes a true true humility to ad- mm-hmm. admit that. Um, but also, there's also a, a sixth player in the midst of this, and I think you'll appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this in the book, um, and that, of course, is the sin nature, mm-hmm. you know, which we experienced in the Garden of Eden, you know, which, mm-hmm. which first kind of came in and, and tainted the soul. Yeah. So we have these five cravings that God placed inside of us, and like a magnet, they are drawn back to God. Mm-hmm. But the sin nature comes in and mm-hmm. keeps every time we kind of turn and start to return to God it diverts us into folly it di- mm-hmm. you know it's, it diverts us into oh Corey go go pursue happiness in money that's mm-hmm. where you'll do it and we keep getting diverted mm-hmm. and so we also have to take that into account as a as a major player in our lives so God called us to pursue these five cravings in mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. Um, and in fact but the sin nature within each one of us Mm-hmm. you know calls us to pursue them in other places and that's the great war that's inside of us right mm-hmm. and ultimately that's what sin is because mm-hmm. um, these cravings are not sin they are good mm-hmm. you know God called God put them in, inside of us for the purpose of drawing us back to himself what makes mm-hmm. them sin is when we pursue them in places outside of God 
right? When suddenly I'm looking for my identity in my bank account rather mm-hmm. than in my savior. Mm-hmm. When suddenly I'm looking for my innocence or like claiming my innocence, I should say, in my own righteousness mm-hmm. rather than the work that Christ created, did on my, my behalf. Mm-hmm. Right. And rather than looking for significance in the realization that the God of heaven and earth loves me, instead of that, I pursue it in worldly ambition. Right. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, sin can be identified by trying to pursue all of these cravings um, in paths that lead us to a place other than God. To destruction other than leading us to God. Yeah. I like a quote that I read in your book. It says, imagine God as a magnet and the craving of your soul as a molded piece of iron where the iron was purposefully designed to be drawn to the magnet and you are created in God's image and such as your soul fills the pool of his mighty heart. Yeah. So we all feel that pull. Yeah. Right. And and that is a beautiful gift that God and that ultimately is why is why the scripture says we are without excuse yeah. for our unbelief. Mm-hmm. Because we have the testimony of creation. Mm-hmm. And we have this inner pull inside of us that pulls mm-hmm. us towards God. Yeah. But then the sin nature comes in, as I said, and tries to divert divert us into folly. And um and of course, that is the battle that rages within each one of us. Hmm. So, uh, how or what are the steps that we can use to reconnect with the soul and to have a balance in our humanness? Yeah. Well, first off, I would say um, we don't reconnect with our soul. We are our soul. Mm-hmm. And in the sense that our your soul is the seat of your personality it's the seat of your personhood and and by the way i'm not just speaking i, I mean obviously uh, we could talk about this um psychologically right or physiologically or historically but the scripture is clear on this um there's a reason why the psalmist saying oh soul why are you downcast within me mm-hmm. believe in god yeah there's a reason why the scripture um holds the soul accountable for sin mm-hmm. there's a reason why when you read the scriptures it clearly says jesus came to save your soul yeah why because your soul is the core of who you are mm-hmm. but even in the church we have this great disconnect and we have this idea mm-hmm. that the gospel is skin deep we think of ourselves as brains and bodies and that Jesus somehow came to save our brains and our bodies. No, he didn't. These brains and these bodies are going to pass away. Yeah. What's going to remain, right, is is our soul. I often, when I'm speaking to non-Christian audiences, mm-hmm. I'll often use the term our non-biological selves because they seem more comfortable with that. And ultimately, mm-hmm. that's what I, we, I mean when I talk about the soul. Mm-hmm. It is our non-biological self. We are not just biological beings. Mm-hmm. When the scripture says that we are like grass, mm-hmm. here today and gone tomorrow when we fade away, it's talking about our biological selves, mm-hmm. right? But our, our souls live on one place or another, one way or another. The scripture mm-hmm. is, is rock solid on this. So we have to remember Mm-hmm. And this is going to be tough because the world is, we are constantly bombarded with propaganda mm-hmm. that caters to our brains and our bodies. 
Yeah. Wait, just just think about this for a second, Penny. <laughs> we live in a time of unprecedented prosperity. Yeah. And by unprecedented, I mean that never before in the history of the world mm-hmm. has have people like the generations alive today been mm-hmm. granted access to um, wealth opportunities, mm-hmm. health opportunities, mm-hmm. education, comfort, leisure, entertainment, mm-hmm. world travel. Mm-hmm. Never before in the history of the world has a generation has been blessed with the things that our generation has been blessed with, and yet virtually every study shows that we are more unhappy than ever. <laughs> we we yeah. think, how is this even possible, right? And I believe it's because we have been pursuing the mm-hmm. satis, the, the, you know, satisfaction for our craving in biological things, and you can't satisfy a non-biological craving with mm-hmm. biological things, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. so we look at the world today, and I, I remember 10 years ago, or maybe it was 15 years ago, mm-hmm. everyone was always talking about education. Mm-hmm. It was like, if the world would just get educated, then we, all our problems would go away. So yeah. there was this big big push towards education. Mm-hmm. Uh, education is everyone, we all have access to education now, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make us happy. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, we found out that it's oftentimes very, very biased. And so we look at the world today and we say, you know what, for thousands of years, I would even say, we've been told that if we just reach the top of that financial mountain, we'll have peace. Mm-hmm. If we get to the top of that intellectual mountain, we'll mm-hmm. have peace. Whatever that, And ours are the generations that have reached the summit and we've mm-hmm. found that there's nothing there. Yeah. And so we look across the world today and despite all of our blessings, more than any generation in the history of mankind, mm-hmm. We are confused, more than confused than ever. We are anxious. We are mm-hmm. depressed. We are mm-hmm. isolated. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it's like where you are, but I can tell you that in America, mm-hmm. under the surface, there is this building rage. There is a tension. People mm-hmm. are tense. And ultimately, I believe it's because we were told, mm-hmm. ultimately, that we could mm-hmm. be satisfied in all these other things. We call it the American dream here. Mm-hmm. Oh, just get the American dream and you'll be happy. Nobody's <laughs> happy with the American dream. It is an illusion. Mm-hmm. There's only one place you can find true peace and that is in connection with your maker. And that is not just a wor- message for the world. That is a message for the church because mm-hmm. we have, I'll be honest, we have pews and churches filled with people mm-hmm. who are singing about the soul mm-hmm. and talking about being made in the image of God, but yeah. they don't know what it means. I believe that they love Jesus. Mm-hmm. but they have come to view his work for them as skin deep. They view themselves as bodies and brains. Mm-hmm. And b- because of that, they have lost the power of the gospel. Yeah. And when they leave church, they go out pursuing security and mm-hmm. significance in mm-hmm. all the same places that the world is. Mm-hmm. And that is why we have so many people in the church today that are unhappy um, they come in we all come in on Sunday morning with a big smile hey but when we go home midweek we are just as discouraged bitter angry as everybody else because we as Christians also need to remember um, that we are made in the image of God and only in him can the cravings of our soul be satisfied you're really making me think and I'm just thinking about the fact that if this is happening to the church you know the people in the church and it is happening to the people who are who don't even go to church or really care about God, then 
if we don't really get to the basics and accept this truth and allow this truth to help us to grow deeper in knowing that only in God can we find solace and consolation and peace and everything that we need, then there is a collision, you know. Yeah. When you're out there, you're struggling, you're a Christian, you're struggling with your relationship with God, and somebody who doesn't know God, they're struggling with the same thing. Yeah. So we are all colliding out there. Yeah. Anyway, I believe it's a call, and uh, we thank God for giving us an opportunity to listen to this. So as you have spoken, so this is how our behavior then um, is affected. Yeah. Because if we are not really sure of all these five cravings, then everything about us is focused on either things or people yeah. other than God. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's those five cravings, right? It means I'm looking for significance in people or things. Yeah. Right? I'm looking for identity to, mm-hmm. asso- to associate with people and things. Mm-hmm. And so is the world. And we we can't find it. We can't yeah. find it in each other. It can only be found in our maker. Mm-hmm. And um, it is, like I said, this message, I believe, is just as relevant for the church as it is for the world. I also, one of the things that has has been unexpected in writing this book is I, I, I started off writing this book to remind believers mm-hmm. how deep their need for Jesus was, how it wasn't just a, our need for him isn't just a sinner savior need. Mm-hmm. It's a creation creator need. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's why Paul, you know, says in him, we live and move and have our being. Uh-huh. And outside of him, mm-hmm. you know, we can't. Yeah. And and so it, I believe it's so important for the church. But the, I what I've been amazed at is the world's response. How people are so interested in hearing about faith and Jesus from this perspective. And yeah. so really, I've also been trying to teach this unexpectedly as an as an evangelical tool. Mm-hmm. If, if, you're, if you want to talk to people about your faith, which the scripture calls us to do, mm-hmm. engaging them on matters of the soul mm-hmm. is something the world is much more open to than perhaps the traditional, you know, where we just kind of float in saying, hey, where are you going to go when you die? You know, <laughs> or did you know you're a sinner, but Jesus died to save you? Yeah. Those are all, don't get me wrong. Those are all super relevant information. But for the modern generations today, if you want to be able to talk to them about Jesus, start mm-hmm. by talking to them about their soul. Yeah. But it's true, it's core. It's core to what we really need, actually. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting journey there. So I'm just going to finish off with this quote. I think um, to summarize what you've been talking to us, that the world without God is this man-made paddock of human soul. It's not the cow, it is the lion. The lesson we draw from the analogy is this, while the bounty of the earth can fully satisfy the needs of other living creatures, it was not designed to satisfy the needs of the human soul. For that, we must walk with God. Very well um, put. And I believe if we meditate on those five core cravings, then we are going to find help and run to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
So we are so grateful, Corey, that you came to us. Annie, I, I so much appreciate you sharing your platform with me. I'm so happy to be here. But just before we conclude, I'll give you an opportunity to say a prayer. <laughs> yes. To say a prayer Thank to you. someone who might need it right now. Yeah. And then we can conclude. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your faithfulness to us even when we've been unfaithful. I thank you for your pursuit of us when we, even when we have not pursued you. Lord, I thank you that you have built within each one of us because of your love and your goodness a hunger for things that only you can satisfy. Lord, and as I think of these listeners out here right now, Lord, so many of us have been pulled into the rat race, trying to find security and identity, fighting for independence and significance and innocence in all the wrong places. Lord, I just pray that we, there would be an awakening to ourselves, even now, Lord, and that we would see ourselves with fresh eyes, that we would see each other with fresh eyes, Lord, that we would realize that with this gift you've placed inside of us, we have this great sense of unity. Lord, even as Christians, we are pursuing the same things as the world is pursuing. Only, Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to pursue them in you. Lord, so again, I pray that we would fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, Lord. You are the answer. May we turn to you to satisfy the deep cravings of our soul. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, I give you my heart and I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way. that this will be our prayer and the prayer of every listener so that we may all grow together in this journey yeah. thank you very much Corey and before we conclude we'd like to let our listeners know that the book that you've written The Magnetic Heart of God um, is available for purchase isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it should be uh, basically everywhere. If you just Google the magnetic heart of God or understanding the five cravings of your soul, it should show up at a, at a store near you. So we are going to add all the links, um, all the links to your network from the mm -hmm. website to where we can find the book so that anyone who would like to read, I have loved it so much and I think I couldn't read all of it because it's so captivating. So when I read uh, something and I see this quote, I just want to think about it. And then, of course, it takes us to the Bible. We want to read the Bible and get this truth. So I would encourage every listener to go and get a copy. And uh, together we are going to grow uh, closer to um, where we are meant to be, right in the heart of God. So thank you very much. God bless you for all the work you're doing. And... Um, increase you increase your ministry and increase his knowledge in you so that many people will come to know the truth because only the truth will set us free you know jesus Amen. said so it is a joy to have you and 
uh, it will be a delight to have you once again when you have a message and you want to give your welcome anytime any thank you again okay god bless you